Today's reading is 1 Corinthians 14. Earnestly pursue and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit. But he who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, encouragement, and comfort. The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I wish that all of you could speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you, unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even in the case of lifeless instruments, such as the flute or harp, how will anyone recognize the tune they are playing unless the notes are distinct? Again, if the trumpet sounds a muffled call, who will prepare for battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue. How will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Assuredly, there are many different languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of someone's language, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. It is the same with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, strive to excel in gifts that build up the church. Therefore, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What then shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Otherwise, how can someone who is uninstructed say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you are saying? You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other one is not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five coherent words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. It is written in the law, by strange tongues and foreign lips, I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and some who are uninstructed or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if an unbeliever or uninstructed person comes in while everyone is prophesying, he will be convicted and called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart will be made known. So he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is truly among you. What shall we say then, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a psalm or a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done to build up the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at most three, should speak in turn, and someone must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must remain silent in the church and speak only to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is seated, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints.
Women are to be silent in the churches. They are not permitted to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they wish to inquire about something, they are to ask their own husbands at home, for it is dishonorable for a woman to speak in the church. Did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone considers himself a prophet or spiritual person, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, he himself will be ignored. So, my brothers, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything must be done in a proper and orderly manner. This is God's word. Paul continued writing about miraculous gifts in this chapter, and he recommended the gift of prophecy over the gift of tongues. We saw that in verses 1 through 25. Paul made several points in this chapter to try to correct the errors of the Corinthians. First, tongues in a church's gathering are useless. Verse 6 says, what good will it be? And verse 28 also makes the same point. They do not edify other believers, according to verses 1 through 12, and they make unbelievers think that you are insane, according to verse 24. The second point Paul makes is that interpreted tongues are useful. That's verses 13 through 17. So pray for that gift if you find yourself speaking in tongues. Tongues are given to benefit unbelievers, not to believers, according to verses 10 and 11 and 21 and 22. The benefit Paul has in mind here is the benefit of hearing the gospel in one's own language without a translator. That's verse 21. Since the Corinthians all shared a common language, there was no need for anyone to speak in tongues, particularly if there were no interpreter. So the Corinthians shouldn't seek the gift of tongues or elevate it to the ultimate expression of spirituality. The next point Paul makes is that the gift of prophecy edifies believers. That's verses 3 through 5 and verse 19. And it convicts unbelievers according to verses 22 through 25. So it is a superior spiritual gift to tongues. There are two larger principles in this passage beyond speaking in tongues and prophecy. First, the goal of church gatherings is to edify believers primarily. You see that in verse 5, verse 12, verse 19, and verse 26. And secondarily, the church gatherings exist to convict unbelievers. We see that in verses 24 and 25. Next, church gatherings should be done in an orderly way, according to verses 26 through 40. Chaos does not please the Lord, according to verse 33. These two principles should guide anyone leading a church or planning a worship service. They should inform you if you find yourself looking for a church someday. The second of these two principles is drawn from a basic principle about God's nature. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, according to verse 33. As followers of Christ, we should seek order in our everyday lives as well. Is there chaos somewhere in your life? If so, what is one action today that could move you a step closer to peace and order in that area? Pray about this, and then do what the Lord brings to mind, and we'll see you next time.